We're back with another School Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we're catching up with Vikings running back, Robert Smith. Welcome back to Skull Stories, presented by 3M. Tonight's guest is a fan favorite, one of my favorites, a member of the incredible 1998 Vikings team. He's also the legendary Buckeye out of Euclid, Ohio, and one of my favorite people in the world. Please enjoy tonight's conversation with good old number 26, Robert Smith. We want to welcome to the program the Skull Stories. Everybody, everybody knows Robert Smith. I mean, he, he's he's just you know near and dear to all of our hearts and minds and souls. And uh, Robert, it's great to have you. Um, you know, you were a good football player, then you retired, and a bunch of stuff happened. And so, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> what an intro, man! Yeah, always, always a pleasure. You know, it, it's funny. It's it's been almost thirty years since I met you over there when you were I think you uh, G Rack was your uh, was your roommate. Yes, right? you were, and Gino Toretta until he yeah. got cut and my and our rent doubled. <laughs> well, shouldn't it have gone up a third? Well, that's see, that's this math. That's that's not that's not G Rack math, right? G Rack was charging <laughs> doubled, him extra. He yeah, doubled, it's not, he doubled your rent. Uh, fun, fun, fun. Yes, it was. So, how are you, Robert? You, you've done a million different things. For God's sake, we only have a few minutes. We don't have enough time, but you are calling the game this Sunday. You're doing TV. You're doing college for a while now. You're doing the NFL. Just uh, how do you like this this section of your football uh, career, if you will? Yeah, I love it, man. And I, you know, I called one college game earlier this season, and I'll call I think three or four more. So I'll have a you know double duty this year. But yeah, man, it's a blast. You know, you've been doing it for a while, and you know, just uh, I, I think being around the uh, locker rooms and being at the games and being able to try and figure out what happened on a play and compress all that information into, you know, a little sound bite. Right. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Have you done anything where Chris Myers has looked at you and said, yeah, that deserves a wow. Hmm. Yeah. Nothing yet. That, de- that deserves a wow. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't wowed him the, yet. Is that the same? What is he, is he use that? Does he use that on uh Yes, he NASCAR? does. Yes, he does. He yeah. says that. You haven't done anything. Yeah, I okay. mean, he says he says so many things. I just I don't even you know they they all just kind of blend together. No, Chris is Chris is so much fun to work with, and like because you know I'm a dad joke guy, and and he's you know full on like stand up comedian. Like it's it's funny, you know, when we we do our best not to. Uh, get the viewers too angry at us because we could certainly go off on some tangents when we start, you know, with our inside jokes uh, during the course of a broadcast. Hey, Robert, Mark Rosen, I, I, I had so much fun covering your career with the Vikings and a lot of them, a uh, lot of those games, of course, took place where you will be on Sunday uh, at Soldier Field. In fact, this is the 23rd anniversary of your last game versus the Bears. I can't believe how fast time has gone back in the year 2000. Uh, I always think of Soldier Field, I think of the grass field and all the the stories about uh, the the Bears wanting the field a little longer to make it tough, tough to run. <laughs> I mean, how, how much truth uh, is there to that? And uh, did you do anything special when you uh, had a play on that hallowed turf? You know, you know, that's interesting. I, you know, I remember hearing it about Notre Dame, and you know, Pete knows plenty about that. Mm. Those cheaters up there. Yeah, we have sport, we have <laughs> sport grass now, <laughs> so so there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, they grow up. It'd be funny seeing the sp- 
short grass longer like they used to do it. But it's, um, it's South Bend, no, Indiana. There's no sun. How do you grow grass when there's no sun? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, your your light shone brightly enough to grow yeah. grass. Well, that's because um, Lou Holtz cast a big shadow over the entire campus. <laughs> that too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you guys could do a few podcasts about Pete and. Uh, and good old Lou, but uh, you know it, it, it's a lot of fond memories for me there. My first uh, touchdown was on Monday night there, back in uh, you know it was it was almost thirty years because it would have mm. been uh, it would have been October I'm guessing of uh, of ninety three, so almost thirty years to the day. And then in 1998, I had my two front teeth knocked out there uh, by Dave Dixon That's on a right. touchdown celebration. So. Uh, a lot of fond memories, and you know that, and and it's wild, you know it's it's such a storied venue, and when you first go there, it's just like oh my god, like I'm really at Soldier Field, you know, and to see it on a Monday night, score my first touchdown on a Monday night there, uh, you know, with Jim McMahon being our mm. quarterback, like it just it was just it was too crazy to almost believe, and that place is just such a historic. Venue is just always always a pleasure to go there and play there. The tough divisional matchup, so I'm excited to call a game there. Yeah, who who was playing defense at the time for the Bears? You know they've they've had Brian Richard Cox Dent. and Richard, Richard Dent. Dent. I mean, think about that. You played against Richard Dent. Yeah, so so that was a big thing that night. Uh, you, I'm sure it's probably available on YouTube now. Uh, but uh, Mike Tice kept getting in the fights with Richard Dent. Like, there was just some thing. <laughs> I don't believe. The I don't believe it. Week. And like, those two were just going at it. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to shoot him. You don't. You just don't want. You'll make him. Just make him angry, right? You just don't want to make him angry. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, when they get mad at you, they don't take it out on you. They take that out on me. Like yeah. I used to. I used to tell that to Stusty and and Randall McDaniel all the time because they'd come back to the huddle and they'd be laughing like, "Oh yeah, I got him when he was done." Like, yeah, that's great, man. It, you know, you know who pays for that? Me. Next time I get held up. Next time I get held up, like when I'm getting tackled, it's like they're not – they don't go after you. They go after me, man. Come on. Uh, well, you did – you know what, though? You did have a good offensive line. Uh, Corey Stringer, obviously one of your closest teammates, one of your closest friends. What do you remember most about Corey? I, I was never around Corey without laughing or smiling. Uh, you weren't the only and, one. <laughs> yeah, like I, I just – and, of course, I, I played – my last year at Ohio State was his first year. Just, I mean, he was just the silliest, nicest, funniest, most genuine person, and one of those light switch guys. Pete, you know, like, yep. and I think like Randall, Randall McDaniel's one of those guys too. Uh, you know, they're just a different kind of mean and tough on game day, but just like the nicest people in the world when you meet them off the field. Right. Uh, so yeah, big K, you know, I, <laughs> and I don't know, maybe the first time he met me and I don't even know then, but I don't know that he ever called me Robert. Um, <laughs> it was because Raymond Harris, one of my fellow running backs who actually played for the bears, he nicknamed me Juice because I wore number 32 as a freshman. So it was the, you know, O.J. Simpson's comparison. Uh, thankfully, the only one. Hmm. But, you know, that was kind of my nickname in Ohio State. So everybody called me Juice. So Big K, would he, he would either call me Juice 
or Rupert, uh, you know, for the rest. Of the there you rest go. Yeah, and and my, Scotty Graham too. Hey, of, Juice for the rest of the for the rest of the time I knew yeah. him. Which Scotty uh, Graham. Hey, Juice. Hey, Juice. Great. Yeah, you know what? I think of Corey Stringer. <laughs> you think about Corey Stringer, and it's obviously you know your heart goes out. But then I just remember the rookie show that you know, we have this rookie show with, uh, with at the end of training camp where the the rookies with all the hell that they were put through have a have a fifteen minute window to give it all back to everybody else. And so the rookies, Corey Stringer's rookie year, they go through it, the show's almost over, and then at the end, out walks Corey with a boom box and wearing nothing but a jock strap. Mm. And just put the radio <laughs> on the ground, hit play, and started dancing. And I, I don't know if I've ever laughed that hard in my entire life. He could have done stand-up. Oh but that's, but that's the dichotomy. He yeah. was the walking dichotomy of the funniest dude. He'd walk in a room, and Robert's absolutely right. You light up, and then, but then you get him on the field, and he took he completely took care of business. It was unbelievable. I remember him in the back of the bus going to a game or whatever, and I, I would be laughing my butt off. Just a member of the media, he'd be doing some stand-up routine, and I, it was like he had everybody roaring. Uh, he just had that sense of humor that is really rare especially among offensive linemen, but he was he was something special. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, Pete, that that, that uh, the memory of that rookie show had conveniently <laughs> been wiped uh, and, and now, like, I, I just I'm not going to be able to get that out of my head, like, oh my god it was just so, just it was, ju- it was just so perfect and, and It was like, him! Yeah, if it, I was going to say, if a moment could capture a person any better uh, I can't think of what it would be it was very Napoleon Dynamite-esque, if you will. <laughs> Unexpected. Right. Robert, you're Vote you're, for Pedro. Yeah. yeah. Vote that's for a, Pedro. That's appropriate there you go. because yeah. that's my nickname for you. That's right. Stick around for more Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more from Robert Smith right after this. Welcome back to tonight's edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com slash science to learn more. Now let's get back into our conversation with former Vikings running back Robert Smith. Your NFL career lasted eight years, which now seems like a lifetime, although when you were here, it seemed like it went in a heartbeat. I mean, it's like, wait, Robert Smith is walking away from the game after eight years? After having this incredible year, um, it, it it seems unlikely. But then you look at running backs; the length of their careers normally is like three, four years. So, in retrospect, you feel like, man, I, I have no regrets. I walked away at the right time for lots of reasons, personal and otherwise, and also from a standpoint of keeping my health the best I could be. Because now that is a long career in the NFL. You know, the first four years, unfortunately, I mean, I was I was hurt a yeah, lot. So yeah. I tore my tore my ACL in December of my rookie year. Did a did a number on my ankle in '95, uh, and then in '96 against the Bears, actually on Monday night, before there was the horse collar rule, I got pulled down on a horse collar by Walt Harris, mm. and uh, and and tore my PCL and MCL in, in the left knee, and then was relatively healthy those next four years. But right. when I tore my ACL, my rookie season. I also did some damage to the bottom of uh, femur, you know, the thigh bone. And so I had to have a couple of procedures. And then uh, I had another one after that last season. So the last season was the only season I didn't miss any games. And I still needed knee surgery. Mm. <laughs> I was like, you know, I don't think this is going to work out well if I continue to do this. 
I certainly could have played more. It's just, you know, the thing I say is, you know, it's better to walk away early than limp away late. And now mm-hmm. it was definitely the right decision, although a tough one. Well, let me t- let me tell you a quick story, but for everyone listening about Robert, he had been through all of that, and he did all of his all of his work and in, in rehab and everything with Richard Stedman and Stedman Haw- at Stedman mm-hmm. Hawkins the, Clinic the in Vail. Or, or, yeah, there was one of one of two. When I blew my knee out in '99, as soon as I knew. And Robert found out. He called Stedman Hawkins and said, "You're already all set. Just give them a call. They're gonna, you know, they're they'll take in." So that's the kind of guy that Robert is, right? He's funny. He's funny looking. Uh, <laughs> you know, does a great job talking on the radio and everything. And, and TV does a does a great job. But that's the kind of guy that he is. Don't let him fool you with all this funny stuff and all being all serious. He's he's an unbelievable friend and a great man. You've done a, a pretty good balancing act, as you mentioned, between doing college and pro football these days. And I think about what is happening now and how it's changed with the nil endorsements, name, image, and likeness. And other than Pete probably getting paid a lot of money to go to Notre Dame, um, <laughs> how do you think that would have impacted your era of athletes and the teams you played for when you look at the money? And, and do you think it's good for the game of college football, or is it just sort of they finally opened up Pandora's box and went, look, at, we got to recognize that these players are the, the reason why college football is so popular? Yeah, I, I think it was kind of inevitable. And I think the, the Supreme Court decision obviously set mm-hmm. the final uh, piece into motion. But, you know, is it good for college football? I, you know, I don't think it's good for college football necessarily. It's better for the athletes, I guess, in a sense. You know, I'm just interested to see where it goes, you know, because along with the name, image and likeness, you know, there there have been some modifications to the transfer portal that I think are, are needed, you know, because if guys are just chasing NIL and they're just thinking about uh, getting into the transfer portal because they're unhappy where they are, they're less likely, number one, to learn life lessons are going to be important. But, you know, practically speaking, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, are these guys really being prepared? Are they, you know, are they prepared for life after football? Because no matter how good you are at the game, it's going to end at some point and sooner than most people want it to. And so uh, I think if guys are chasing that, that quick cash and opportunities that they think they're going to have to play, are they really taking the school seriously and are they preparing themselves for life after the game? And, you know, although it, it, it may benefit guys at the top of the roster to do that and still get into the NFL and have successful careers and not have to worry about those things, at least not to the degree that everybody else does. I, I'm just concerned about what it does for some of those other guys on the yeah. roster. Robert, let me ask you a hypothetical question. That's where I get to make something up and put you in a very awkward position you would never, <laughs> ever find yourself in. Nice. But if you were Kevin O'Connell and you had to walk into that team meeting room and let them know they, you know, they know that, that Justin Jefferson's not going to be around for a while, what, what, what does a head coach say, you think, in that position to the rest of the team when you lose somebody like that? Yeah, well, I, I, you just have to be real with them. And I think – you know, guys need to need to understand what most of us understand as players in general, that the game is the game and that the next man up mentality applies to everybody out there. And as difficult as it is to move forward without uh, your best player, other guys on the team just have to pick up the slack. And and, and the younger guys in particular, if, if I'm talking to the receiver core, I'm thinking about what an opportunity it is for for those guys, and that's and that's you know not to take advantage of a of a bad situation uh, for Justin Jefferson, but it's to it's the reality of it. 
right? It's the Wally yeah. Pip thing. Like, you know, you got you have an opportunity to go in there uh, and play and show what you can do, and the rest of the team has the opportunity, especially considering the way that the season has gone with the turnovers and all the different mistakes and the opportunities to, uh, you know, win every one of those games. Uh, you know, you, you want to say, okay, now we're, we've been dealt more adversity. What are we going to do now? You know, where's our professional pride? Let's go out and do what we know we can do, which we haven't been able to show all year long. People love to, to make comparisons no matter what the era is. And you look at the arc of uh, Justin Jefferson's young career, then you think about Randy Moss in 1998 as a young, you know, young player, rookie. And, of course, he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, are there comparisons to be made or do you, from when you've watched Jefferson from a distance or even when you've watched him in person? What are your what are your thoughts about just the way that he has evolved as a top flight wide receiver? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch, and you know I, I really haven't made those comparisons because I think they're just different. You know I think Randy was just so much faster than a lot of people, and I don't want to say that he didn't have route running ability because he certainly did, and he fought for balls and really caught balls cleanly, which was something that. Uh, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people really understand just how good he was at that. And that's something I noticed the first, the very first practice I saw him at. Uh, his ability to snatch the ball so cleanly out of the air and not body things. I mean, you know, he, he would use his body if he if he had to. But Randy was, I think he, at least from a speed standpoint, was more dominant uh, than Justin Jefferson is. But that means that Justin Jefferson is making up for it in other ways. And I think mm-hmm. that... Uh, his his route running ability, his lateral movement, his ability to separate in tight spaces, I think may even be better uh, than what Randy had. But he hmm. doesn't have the top end to be able to separate uh, a different way. So he gains separation in different ways, uh, but they're both obviously great receivers. Well, in, in the running back room here in Minnesota has gone through some changes as well. Um, you know, you lose Dalvin Cook. Um, now you have you know Alexander Madison and uh, um, Cam Akers. What uh, what uh, what do you think of those two guys so far this season? Well, you know, getting Cam in, and obviously uh, Kevin O'Connell had some familiarity being being with him out with the Rams. Uh, you know, getting him in, I think you know you can almost see Alexander Madison like he's running the ball a little bit harder. It seemed, and you know that certainly can motivate a guy. Uh, and I think that they're, you know, they're still a work in progress. That offensive line has been a work in progress, and obviously there have been the injuries up front. Uh, but those guys are starting to come into their own. Obviously, Madison, uh, you know, with the with the big drop pass and with the fumble. I mean, he's had some some mistakes, that I'm sure he's going to wish he can atone for. Uh, you know, you just have to be careful, though. You have to really stay in structure. As a running back, you want to make big plays, but you have to, you know, think about it in a calculated way. Don't always try and hit home runs, if you will, from the running back position. Uh, be very disciplined. But I think that there, it, it seems like they're getting better, and it seems like there's been more balance. I haven't looked at the actual numbers, but I'm, I'm guessing that the balance in, over the last uh, two weeks since Cam got in. Uh, is much better than it was uh, in the first couple of weeks. Hey, Robert, it's been great catching up with you. Uh, Have a lot of fun on Sunday. Thank you for sharing your Skull stories with us today. And uh, take care, of course. All right. Thanks, guys. Always fun to catch up with Robert Smith, great storyteller and a terrific broadcaster in his own right as well right now. A big thank you to Robert for joining the show tonight. Okay, Pete, let's do a quick look ahead to the game in the Windy City on Sunday. The Vikings seemingly always have trouble in Chicago. They're both... 
in a similar boat, which is they don't want to be right now. One and four, the Bears did come off that uh, beatdown of the Commanders and. Washington a week ago Thursday. Well, Justin Fields, the quarterback, struggled the first three weeks, but in the last two, he's come alive. 699 combined yards, eight touchdowns. Are we seeing what the Bears saw in Justin Fields right now? I think, yeah, a little bit. And the crazy part is you look at the, uh, you know, almost the 700 combined yards, and then you watch the film and you look at how many yards were left on the table, whether he's deciding to scramble instead of throwing it or uh, just a, you know a couple of fade routes that uh, were right there. So <laughs> it's scary to think that the man's put up 700 yards in two weeks or so, and, and, and there's so much more to it. So it's an evolution. I know there was a lot of back and forth earlier in the season with he and the coaching staff. They're working through it. The Vikings have plenty of issues on our end that we're working through this week. So in in a very uh, dystopian way, it's going to be a fascinating matchup, I guess. Well, life goes on for the Vikings now, unfortunately, uh, without Justin Jefferson. Uh, the Bears' defense has been getting uh, torched. They've been scored on early and often to the tune of 12 touchdowns through the air, three on the ground. They rank 30th in points allowed per game. So how do you look at this Vikings offense and the adjustments they have to make now without J.J. in there? Are they more of a running attack, or this is just basically the next man up, and well, that's where you have to go through? Uh, but that's, uh, yeah, I'll quote the uh, the immortal words of Chuck Knox Sr., who once told his coaching staff, hey, you know, don't tell me how rough the waters are. Just bring the ship in. Yeah. Meaning you, get, yeah. you just got to do what you, what you need to do. The good thing is just, again, watching this matchup and looking at it, they don't they don't roll up on defense and play man-to-man much. Mm-hmm. And if I think if there's something that Jordan Addison right now struggles with, it's it's getting off press. It's getting off somebody in his face at the line of scrimmage. So if they're going to play off, I've seen more off coverage from this this defensive unit than I have anybody else thus far. And you let our receivers get off the line of scrimmage and do their thing. I think there can be a plenty of opportunities still in the passing game with or without. Jay. It's it's a shame JJ's not healthy for this one yeah. because you look at what they do defensively and you go, this is a game that JJ could just absolutely blow it up. So, you know, get ready to see uh, twelve personnel, but a three you know three wide type look and or whatever that they have to do. But yeah, you still want to you still want to run the football. They should be able to run the football. Um, and you have that balance. You're on the road. You're playing on grass. You're outside. Those that those things all all speak to having to have a good running game. But the defense also has to come up, mm-hmm. step up, and and say, you know what, we we need to take it to the next level. Well, if we've learned anything over the years, Sunday's matchup at Soldier Field should be requisite of the old black and blue division. It's a noon kickoff on Fox with Robert Smith, Brandon Gauden, and Jen Hale on the call. You can also, of course, catch the game right here all across the Vikings radio network. So sure to be checking your local listings for details. Pete, always a pleasure having you on the show. And thank you, fans, for tuning in to another edition of Skull Stories, presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.